brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. You're listening to The Empowered Woman, Badass and Unfiltered Podcast, a place for inspiration, empowerment, and personal development. Showcasing badass women from all over the world giving tips on personal development, mindset, and healing. I'm your host, Olivia, transformational success coach for spiritual female entrepreneurs. Now let's dive into this episode. Welcome back to the Empowered Woman, Badass, and Unfiltered podcast. Have you been living in the future and have you been living in the past? Have you been in the present moment? Have you taken time to give yourself the space to feel the emotions you're currently feeling? Or do you find things to help you avoid it and get past it or, you know, just push it away? Well, today I have some, I have the person for you, okay? She is Jessica Gershman, and she is the founder of The Zen Mommy and the voice behind the Mom Slowdown podcast as well as a passionate believer in the power of self-care. Through her work as a certified yoga instructor, an accomplished home chef, and a dedicated mindfulness practitioner, she has created a holistic program that supports women, especially moms, in giving them tools to create a satisfying life. Jessica has experienced juggling juggling the demands of a career as a successful commercial real estate developer with a life, with the life-changing role of mom. Through the work of the Zen Mommy, she shares her personal story of overcoming disorder, disordered eating, redefining her sense of self as a new mother, and finding ways to feed herself first as a foundation for a more joyful, less stressful life. You can follow her at the Zen Mommy, and that's the underscore Zen underscore Mommy, where she connects with over her 25, 21,000 followers. I also have a link that she provided for her Zen Mommy app in the show notes below. Thank you so much, Jessica, for joining me today. Thanks, Olivia. I'm so happy to be here. Absolutely. So first, t- just tell me a little bit about how you got started in this. Um, you know, my path and journey to let's use the word awakening, right. Or whatever that's kind of been thrown around here lately, uh, happened to be through yoga. People find it through all different, you know, practices through, um, religion, through coaching, through just, you know, personal experience. Uh, I say I'm a recovering perfectionist because I think you're always in recovery, right? It's a, it's a constant struggle and battle. And being a mindfulness practitioner or a yogi or a meditator does not come without its struggles, right? So I came from a very uh, intense, I started my career at 19 in commercial real estate development and uh, followed in my, the footsteps of my father, who was a narcissist. Uh, you know, I was high achieving, overachieving, you know, that led into eating disorders and isolation and, 
um, really this spiral into self-loathing. And I had never been a yogi before. It was not hard enough for me. Um, And I wasn't into what I would call it granola yoga. I probably found a few classes like that. And it was like, what? That's cold. And like, why did it, you know, waste an hour? Like totally didn't get it. Uh, But I do believe that, you know, the teacher shows up when the student is ready. And after I had the birth of my first daughter, who's now 13, uh, it was like a game changer for me. And I think of a lot of people listening, when you become a mother, what you didn't have the strength to maybe address, you know, in your own life, in your personal life, now you, you had the strength and, and she was really the impetus for me to get my shit together, to be quite honest. Uh, I had been married for a few years and it wasn't really going well. I mean, life was just not in a good space. And so uh, I gave yoga a try back again, and this is in 09. And I had a transformative experience. It was life-changing. And it was one of those where everything in my body and my mind and my soul was like, yes. And I felt good enough for maybe the first time in my entire adult life. And that was at 28 years old. And I just kept coming back time and time again. And, you know, that led to subsequent trainings. I've trained all over the country. Um, But really it, it was the beginning to a better life. And what happens with yoga, mindfulness, meditation, breath work, is that we start to reform the brain. I mean, there's scientific studies and and, you know, we're born with a set of habits that we, we inherit genetically. We create some based on our experiences and our patterns. Uh, and I was set up to be a, a pretty negative, kind of selfish, narcissistic-esque kind of person. And through the practice of yoga, through meditation, through this, you know, life-changing alteration of really the physical brain, I started, I became a different person, uh, a more loving, kind person. You could ask my sister. She's like, yeah, you you're a real bitch (laughs) (laughs) or anybody that knew me, but it it is a life-changing experience and, and starting to live in the present moment. And I'm forever grateful for beginning that path. I'm not quite sure where I would end up now at 40, but it would not be here talking to you and being able to share my own experience. Oh, definitely. And thank you for sharing all of that. You touched on so many things like, you know, with your father and then with, you know, becoming a new mother and also just, you know, having that, when you said it wasn't hard enough for you in the beginning with yoga, you, I, I understand that you're being, your predisposition of being an overachiever and, um, but granted, this is like decades ago. So, but, you know, having to work through all of those things and shift them, um, that had to be, a process. Do you mind sharing some of that process? Yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting. I think yoga and meditation is like this super sleuth. Like you don't even necessarily know that it's happening. Like it's like weight loss, right? You look at yourself every day and you don't notice that you've lost pounds until all of a sudden you go to put your pants on and you're like, holy moly, like I have all this space or what happened? Changing emotionally is kind of like that. And really, to be honest, it's the people around you that really notice more than anybody. Like I said, my sister, uh, my friends, you know, they would be like, you're different, you know? And, and what I think yoga provided me was what I call this something called the yogic pause, which is this space 
between what's going on in this crazy mind of mine, right? This monkey mind and what actually comes out of my mouth or what I do about it. Uh, and, and once you start to create this space, then you can start to have choice, right? I get to choose. I'm like, okay, that thought came in. I can choose to continue with that, or I can choose a different way. And so the change from meditation, yoga, breath work, whatever it is that you're going on this journey is a little tiny bit. You know, they say, if you want to learn how to do the splits, put up two, you know what, we don't have phone books anymore, but they used to be really big, you know, two phone books under your legs and take one page out every day. Right. And it's kind of like that with the mind, with your patterns is that, you know, if your brain is a phone book, you're just kind of taking one page out. And if you remember, I don't know if you're old enough, Olivia, but those phone book pages are really thin. Yeah, they are. Um, they back are. in the day. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, a lot of people listen to me like, what the hell is a phone book? But, um, you know, it's gradual. It's gradual until you start to see and people become your mirror and they notice. And I was more tolerant uh, first of myself than of others. Uh, I practiced a lot of forgiveness. I got to a space where I was able to address my past trauma work, um, felt really grateful to be able to kind of dive deep into uncovering that stuff because I was in a good enough headspace. I wasn't putting out fires in my everyday life and running around like a chicken with my head cut off that I was able to address some of this deeper work that I needed to do. Uh, and so for anyone listening, you know, it, it's, it's a process, you know, you just keep getting up, you keep putting one foot forward, you keep doing the work. And I love this because my mom would tell this to me all the time. It's like in the knowing you can't unknow what you already know. So once I started to understand things about mindfulness and meditation and, and, you know, choice and compassion and empathy and all of these skills that didn't come naturally to me, you can't unknow them now, you know, and that's part of that journey is that why you keep putting a foot forward is because there is no going back. Oh, yes. That, that was very, very deep. Thank you for sharing all of that because, you know, and, and just being so authentic with, you know, the fact that, you know, you weren't this way before and, and it's so much of the inner work is done that no one sees, but, you know, after, after a while people start to see it. So it's yoga is so much more than just stretching and, um, when you, when you started realizing these shifts that you were having, um, what was, what was something that would come up? Like, not necessarily about your trauma or anything like that, but like when you, like, let's, for instance, I had, um, one of my friends told me that somebody else said something about me, um, a couple of days ago. And I, I was so unbothered. I was so like, like my heart didn't start racing because I, I'm a recovering people pleaser. So it was like one of those things that it was like, it usually would have bothered me. It would, it would have, you know, and, and the topic they were talking about, it had to do with, it basically said that I don't like black people. Mm. And, Mm. um, because I have a very diverse group of friends. And, um, so usually that, that statement would have bothered me. Right. Um, but I was so unbothered and I was just like, thank you so much for telling me this because I just realized how much I grew because I literally don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm 
like, I am so bothered at the, I'm so unbothered at this point that, yeah. but it was like, it was just something like that. So do you have any like situations that were like, just like when you realized that you had discovered your growth? Yeah. I mean, definitely the first year I would go back. And like I said, I was in a kind of tumultuous relationship. My husband was going through a divorce when I met him and I took on two stepkids at 22 years old. Uh, and it was a hard road and I was not in a great space. He wasn't in a great space. We would fight all the time. Uh, and it was pretty toxic. <laughs> We've been together now, uh, almost 19 years. So, uh, but the first handful of years, maybe 10 was a little rough, but anyway, uh, you know, I would, I would go into it arguing with him, you know, on my way to the studio, or we were having some disagreement about who knows schedules, life, whatever. And, and I would come out of Shavasana and all of a sudden I would have a different perspective. And I was like, oh, okay. A, I would see his point of view. B, I realized maybe it wasn't that a big of a issue as maybe I thought it was. And I think 10 times out of 10, I would call on my way home and be like, hey, I'm really sorry. And this is how I see things differently. And so that happened all the time. You know, I, I came out of something called yoga nidra, which is psychic sleep, which if you've never practiced that, oh my God, it's my boo. It's incredible because you just get to lay there and they basically dip you down into the layers of consciousness and kind of hold you there in this space. And, and you have this like, incredible, almost out of body experience where like, I know I could move my arms if I wanted to, but I feel so heavy and grounded. And anyway, it's incredible. And I came out of one of these classes and, um, this is when I was in one of my 500 hour programs and I get in my car and my mom had called and she had just had this like very toxic interaction with a woman at like McDonald's or whatever. And she's telling me the story and I'm like, yeah, well, mom, maybe she was having a rough day or, you know, I was like, and she's like, is this my daughter? Who is this on the other line? And I was like, well, you know, I'm just came out of yoga nidra and I'm just not in the space to be in a conflict right now, you know, but what I think was so interesting is that it just starts to become a part of who you are. And I think the biggest thing that increases is self-awareness which if you've ever been in the line at Starbucks during the holidays, you realize that most people lack it <laughs> and how they treat other people. But with that self-awareness comes like consciousness, you know, that awakening that you see things brighter, more clearly. You're not living in the story that you've told yourself about the experience. You're living in the experience, which is allowing whatever to happen. And, you know, you start to become more conscious of your own boundaries and setting them appropriately. Like you said, I was unbothered because you realize that, and you can have compassion for other people and where they are or aren't are on their journey, you know, where they haven't maybe gone to and, and find compassion for that and see everyone in this collective suffering and having this human experience. And some people aren't going to get it in this lifetime. And that's what makes the world work, right? It takes all kinds of people, but you start to feel more interconnected. And the more I studied, it, it, was, it was a transformative experience. It was a way that I was able to connect, call it God, whatever, a higher consciousness that I had never believed in before. I grew up with no religion. I, I uh, moved into Ju Judaism. I, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Converted. Thank you very much. <laughs> I converted to Judaism when my daughter was born, but that it didn't give me a connection. I didn't feel like, 
connected to that in some way, but all of a sudden I'm reading these teachings from 5,000 years ago and they still apply to today. Like they could still, they still matter. Like one thing is, you know, when you have a negative thought, replace it with a positive one, but life-changing, like that's crazy. You know, it doesn't mean that you negate the experience, but if you're thinking really negatively about yourself, try say something nice to yourself. Notice how it changes. I mean, this is 5,000 year old wisdom that is absolutely present in today's world. Absolutely. And yeah, going from, and that's, that's one of the things I do too, is like the changing of your minds, like really renewing your mind is so important. And then it's like, when I've just noticed that there's been a lot of trauma coming up for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So that, and and I'm like, that's the, the one thing that it's like, that's what you don't ignore. Like, and, and it's, there's, and that there's a big difference of being in a judger mindset and a learner mindset. And so mm-hmm. when you're thinking negative thoughts and being judgmental, that's, that's completely different than I'm triggered by this. I feel mm-hmm. this way. Why? And, and allowing yourself the grace to ask yourself the questions of, you know, why did this bother me so much? Mm-hmm. And, and, and taking the time to dive into that. Um, and knowing and having the self-awareness to know when that time is um, mm-hmm. and, and really holding that space and allowing yourself that grace to do so. I love the fact that you also stated um, that about Judaism. And I'm, I'm such a spiritual person. I'm Christian, but I'm extremely spiritual. I was born a Buddhist and um, my grandparents were Jehovah's Witnesses. And that was my idea of Christianity. Other than the non-denominational churches, I'm like, and I went to Baptist churches too with friends and stuff like that. Cause you know, everybody's, everybody wants to, you know, show you the way. So, but, um, I really resonated with the non-denominational churches because I'm one of those people that it's like, I'm not going to tell somebody what they believe is wrong. Right. You know, if you have a connection, if you call God a higher power source, whatever, like, good for you. Like I, you know, it it doesn't, the argument of, I've noticed this a lot lately too. There's an argument of, um, and it's always been since then time of what's right, what's the path. Mm -hmm. And it's so important to trust your own intuition on that. Yeah. Like they say, you know, you, you get back to the knowing, like really we, we already know it all. You know, I mean, know mm-hmm. the source of life, know all of these things, which is love, really. You know, it, it's innate in us. You know, we stray away from that. You know, and when you talk about like have, you know, being able to address trauma or understanding why something triggers you, we carry around this very big bag of experience and um, things we inherit, right? They're studying now that we can inherit trauma from three generations past, which is like freaking mind blowing. It's incredible that like, that's part of our genetics and epigenetics. And so, you know, we carry around things that we're not even aware of, you know, and carry around things that, you know, happen to us and, and, and what have you. And that is how we see the world. That is what clouds our experience because each person has their own individual perception, their own set of eyes, your own set of, that's how we're taking in the world. And then we're processing it and telling some story about it right? Based on this bag that we're carrying with us. And so, you know, what slowing down, which is really hard for high achieving people, but what slowing down does 
is allow you to start to recognize what is the story and what's really happening. And, and the reality is in this moment, this moment, the only one that exists, you're safe. I'm safe. We're okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and all of a sudden you start to come back to that, the knowing, right? That in the present moment, everything is okay. You do that through practices of gratitude. You do that through whatever your path is or breath. I mean, breath is accessible to all free to everyone and totally the tool when you find yourself getting stressed, take a few minutes and breathe. I mean, we're all breathing or we wouldn't be living. Right. But that, that conscious breath, I just come back to this all the time. It is so powerful to connect our mind and our heart. And that's when we start to be in our body. That's when we start to live life fully. That's when we can start to engage with other people and see them show up for who exactly they are. See all of them, not the story that we're telling about ourselves. You know, I had a friend who's a neurologist and he did a TED talk and he said, we will see like 90 or 95% of everything we will ever see in the whole world by the time we're 25. And so we're really not actually taking in new information. It's just our mind telling us what we're seeing, you know? And so, you know, like if you haven't seen someone in a year and they look different, it's because your mind is telling you what they look like. I mean, it's bizarre to think that, but it's so powerful. And we start to understand the power of the mind. And then we can start to kind of disengage some of that power in our daily life. And that's what increases joy because joy and happiness exists in the present moment. Absolutely. And you know, we encounter 60,000 60, thoughts a day. Yes. And a lot. <laughs> exactly. You know, and when we, when we're thinking about all of the things that aren't here and creating our own realities in our head, and that's mm-hmm. what we all do. We're all, I said this like a year ago, I was like, we're all brainwashed under our own ideologies. Yeah. And you know, what you feed yourself creates the life that you live what you're reading, what you're, you know, watching, what you're listening to. And if you're not listening to yourself and you're just being fed information that's not serving you, that gives you anxiety. I I joke around. I'm like, I don't go on social media to get stressed out. Right. Like change your news feeds, people. If it's not, if every time you go on, you get upset, you need to unfollow those people. Right. And triggered. And it, I mean, it can be really a negative space because we've already had these stories about us that usually resolve around. I'm not worthy of love, you know, so unworthiness of some sense, right. Is the collective theme of kind of what that inner critic likes to say about ourselves. And then you jump on social media and you see what so-and-so is doing or what so-and-so is doing, or, you know, all of these things. And you're just, it's triggering. It's like, Oh, I, I knew it. I knew I, I sucked. I knew I wasn't worth anything and that I was unlovable and CC. And we just confirm that all the time with the information we're taking in and what we watch on TV and what we ingest and the type of people that we choose to be around. And all of that is reflected. Like happiness is a choice. Mm -hmm. I mean, every day, in every moment, in every experience, it is truly a choice. And it's you know, for summer, this is not talking about clinical depression and, you know, we're not talking about those types of things because those are clinical diagnoses that need help. You know, that it's not like I'm saying someone who's clinically depressed can just choose happiness and change their life. I mean, take all those, you know, diagnoses aside, 
we are creating this life that we live in and, and, and we can choose, you know, with positive affirmations and all the wonderful things that like we want to call into our life. I mean, it's just energy. Thoughts are energy. You know, we can have negative energy or positive energy. What would you say um, is the best way to like start your day? Yeah. Uh, you know, how I start my day, it just, I think for everyone is different. Um, I always schedule in time for myself at the beginning to do movement. I, I think moving your body, uh, again, as energy, when you feel heavy and stuck and you haven't moved a whole lot, you're, it almost is like it's sludgy. So for me to move the energy and that looks different every day, that could be running on the treadmill that could be playing tennis. It could be going for a walk. It could be doing yoga. It could be, you know, anything I'd like to carve that time out for my day, but you know, the first second that you open your eyes, I mean, notice how you wake up. Do you wake up and immediately get on Instagram and, and start scrolling and then feel shitty? Um, you know, do you have like a really heinous alarm going off in the morning, you know, that starts your day really kind of like intensely, you know, or could you start your day by actually curling up the sides of your lips and smiling? I mean, just the act of smiling is, is called neurobics, neurobics, where it's like creates a positive neurological response in the body. There's another person that's out speaking, talking about high fives and what that does. Yeah, right? Mel, Robin. Mel Robbins. Yeah. Love her. Love her. Love her. You know, she was in a really dark place and it's like, so for, for everyone, it's what's going to get you on a positive foot forward. Do you need to roll out of bed? I had to talk with someone who like wanted to do the, the hack to meditation and like rolled right out of bed and started meditating. Cause she was like, I'm already like close to those brain waves. Let me, I can just come up from sleep, you know, and get into meditative state. It's different for everybody, but start noticing. I mean, again, it starts with self-awareness. Notice how you're living your life. I mean, we so often just run on autopilot and we just go throughout our day and we're just sleepy. We're just sleepy, you know? And is it looking out at the, the beautiful leaves on the trees or, you know, what is going to put you in a mind frame? It's going to be different for you, Olivia, than it is for me and the next person. And it could be different every day. What do I need today to get going? Do I need a cup of coffee and a hug? You know, and do I need to jump on the treadmill? Do I need to take a few minutes to myself? Do I need, you know, meditation? Do I need to just breathe before I start my day, depending on, you know, what starts your day. And it's going to be that's why I love like offering little tips and tools because they're free, accessible to all. We all have them, you know, in us and you get to create your own like joyful living mindfulness toolkit that's unique to you. And so that you start to have experiences to pull from that are positive and you start to have some remedies when you feel, oh God, I'm, I'm clenching my jaw and I'm stressed out. And you know, my kids were just irritating the shit out of me last week. And I couldn't, I was like, I don't know why, but being around them is, you know, and I was having a rough week, but I was self-aware enough to be like, okay, recognize I'm not like a terrible mother. This is not saying anything about me personally. I'm just irritated by my kids, you know, and I took a little extra time for myself, you know, it's going to be unique to everybody, but just starting with that practice of self-awareness. Oh yeah. I, um, <clears throat> I, how you start your day is so important. Um, because it, it dictates so many other areas of your life. It's really hard for a lot of people that start their day off on a bad foot to turn it around. 
yeah. um, when they're when they're already thinking in a negative state of mind. So like you were saying, you know, do something that works for you. And there are so many like ideal morning routines out there that like, this is what I do. You know, you should do this or this is what all like, you know, million dollar people do. Y'all, please listen, do not do that. Do what is right for you. Yeah. Anybody telling you that it should be any sort of way, run for the hills, right? Yoga poses don't need to look any sort of way besides how they feel good to you and your body. Like living your life, shoulda, coulda, woulda, not in any sort of way. Choose what works for you. I mean, and try things on. That's what's cool about having a human experience. We get to try on all of these like personalities, traits, things to do and decide, all right, that worked or mm, that wasn't for me. You know, that was a little too happy, you know, <laughs> just whatever. But we, we get to start making these choices. And that's the beautiful part of having a human experience, right? Absolutely. Now, I would love to know more about your app. Um, so yeah, definitely do tell about your app. Well, you know, like everybody, it was in a rock and a hard place when, when the pandemic hit and I had a private studio in my house and have had for the last six years and had the privilege of, you know, guiding and leading people one-on-one therapeutically. And I'm very, very grateful for that experience. I also recognized that they, my clients would come in and see me for an hour a week. And the second their little toe got out of the studio, you know, the dings came and the emails and the, you know, the kid throwing up at school and I got this work thing and all of the stresses of life uh, infiltrated that experience. And so when I wanted to take things online and open up the platform, I really thought hard about what made such a difference in my life. And, you know, I'm very open about talking about uh, recovering uh, from bulimia and disordered eating and body dysmorphia and all of that isolation that came from that experience into taking that into going to culinary school and, and creating a healthy relationship with food uh, that isn't restrictive, that focuses on whole foods and, and really finding joy cooking uh, when, when food wasn't a joyful experience for me. So I'm very grateful to be there on my journey. Uh, and I realize as moms that we're mostly having to cook or that, you know, taking on most of the household responsibilities, but you know, most women don't really like it or not good at it. And so, you know, nobody wants to be picked last at school, you know, <laughs> you don't want to be the, the last on the Red Rover team. So I wanted to teach cooking and general cooking skills because I mean, everything from like how you hold your knife, you know, and it's from grilling to sous vide cooking, which is like water bath cooking and give like some baseline skills, like how, how to season your food. Like when you use salt and season your food, people are going to like it more because it's not going to be bland, you know? So I get to share that. And then the movement focus is yoga because that's just been my home base. Uh, the mat is a very safe, sacred and safe space for me. And no matter how hard it is to get onto my mat, when I get off, I feel better. I feel good. I feel in my body. I feel you know, whatever qualms or issues I was kind of working with, just, you know, I'm like the body, the mind, the soul is like, yes, do more of that. Uh, and then I teach meditation and breath work and mindfulness. Uh, and really, I just wanted to open it up and have something easy that people could access. And it's not like, a it's to create your own toolbox and, you know, pull things like how, I live my life may not be how you're going to live your life to a T, but if there's anything that I can share or offer, 
uh, and inspire along the way for you to create your own toolbox. And I wanted to be able to do that. I love that. That is such an in-depth app. And um, I love the the story behind it all as well. Um, and, you know, you uh, last season, um, my podcast, um, I had three major topics. One was marriage. The second was um, body positivity. So I had a few different intuitive eating coaches, um, science-based coaches. Um, and um, then the other one was money. But um, that's, it's interesting to me how much that um, addictions in general just are something that everybody deals with. Um, And the shame that comes from that when you first talk about it. So how did you, I'm just curious on, you're so confident and comfortable. Granted, you've been doing this for over a decade. So, but when you first started, how did you, how did you get to that place of confidence in it? With recovering from eating disorders, you know, and I think addiction, we as humans like to numb out, right? That's totally normal. We all do it in some way. We, whether it's through exercise or Netflix or gaming or food or alcohol or drugs, there is a desire to escape. Uh, so I first want to mention that, you know, it's something that we're, we all share. For me, for food, it was, you know, an escape. And it was like this idea of this perceived sense of control, but the reality was I was completely out of control, right? I was, I was being controlled by, you know, this disordered eating. Uh, and I had a girlfriend of mine, very intelligent eating disorder specialist. And she said this analogy to me, which was, um, you know, addiction, eating disorders, it's like a radio station in a car and it's always on. And it just depends on when you get in the car, if it's on really, really loud or if it's on for a whisper. And so, you know, recovering from eating disorders, disordered eating is, is something that I will always continue to work on, you know, being positive and loving and compassionate toward myself is something that I will always continue to work on. And for a lot of my life more so um, as, you know, I've gotten further on my journey the radio station has been quiet for a long time and I'm super grateful for that. Um, but I don't want to stop and think that it can't just be loud, you know, cause we all have our moments. We're human and, you know, things come up and stress happens and, you know, we can look at ourselves in the mirror one day and be like, yeah, you look hot and walk in the next day, same body, same everything and be like, oh my God. And start picking yourself apart. Right. I think what's been really helpful is I, can recognize now so much earlier when that is happening for me and I can vocalize it. I can verbalize it. My husband went on like a health kick and lost all this weight. And so he would talk about weight and food all the time. And I was able to be like, Hey, this is really triggering for me because, you know, I don't want that to be the focus of our relationship and I don't want my children to hear it. And, you know, it's just being more comfortable, you know, and recognizing it's not that I stop ever negative thoughts from coming up in my head, but I'm able to recognize and be like, "Mm." my inner critic has a name and she has a a voice and her name is Jordan. And I'm like, "Mm, Jordan, I see you, you know, (laughs) shut up, Jordan. And I'm able to notice that that isn't me, you know, a lot earlier in my life and, and just recognize sometimes laugh, you know, when I look at myself and you know, maybe some negativity. I'm like, oh, come on. You know, I mean, I recognize that it's happening and I'm able to um, distance myself 
from some of those thoughts a little easier than I, than I was before, but you know, we're all, it's, it'll be a journey that I'll continue with for, you know, the rest of my life. I think, you know, someone that was a recovering alcoholic is, you know, it's something that to create a healthy relationship with food, you know, and we all have some disordered eating for the most part to some degree. And it's, we, it's dealing with society and what, you know, all of these kind of constraints that are put on us that we're supposed to look a certain way. We used to supposed to be really skinny. Now we're supposed to be hourglass with big booties. And, you know, if you wanted to keep up with all of that, you would just be miserable all the time, you know? So just coming back to self-acceptance and, and really recognizing the voice of your inner critic when, you know, they start to chime in on how you are as a person or your value or your worth. Uh, and you know, for me, it takes it just kind of a laugh. I mean, really, I can see her face right now as I'm talking about it. And I'm like, mm, no, thanks Jordan. Not today. <laughs> I love that. Thanks so much for sharing that as well. You've been, you've been sharing so many like amazing things, um, just about your life in general. And, um, I, I was training for a bikini competition and I decided to take a break. I'm going to start training again. Um, in January, but it was, there was just so much stress going on. It was, it was so much. So I really can relate to just the picking a part of yourself. And then I read um, Jamie Lynn Kerma's um, book, Believe It. Mm -hmm. Such a good flipping book. I mean, at first I was like, I wasn't ready. You do listen. Like I wasn't ready for how it was written, it's written narrative style. And I'm so used to like bullet point things. Um, but self-help. <laughs> but yeah, but like um, she shares so much of her story about how she was adopted, found out she was adopted, found her birth mother um, and was rejected by her again. And then got to a point, like, I mean, it was just, she had me laughing, crying so much. And she sold her, um, her makeup brand to L'Oreal for $1.4 billion. Yes. It still girl. owns 60% of the business. Like, amazing. And, and, but I mean, just her whole story of faith and perseverance, just grit and just her saying like how hard she worked for four years, she was going bankrupt. Like nobody was really believing in her. She was torn down over and over again. Um, and she was, you know, battling with, you know, being plus size. And um, she, she said it was somebody that she mentioned in the book that was a high achieving woman that um, it was, you know, just talking about, you know, weight and looks and stuff like that. And she's like, something's got to give, you know, and as women, we have so many different things to juggle and so many different societal pressures. And that really helped shift me of that you know, something's got to give. Like, I, I cannot, I'm not going to be my own worst enemy. I'm not going to continue to, you know, just tear myself apart over stuff that really, it, it, like, really doesn't matter. Like, at the end of the, like, who you are in your soul is what matters. What you, yeah. you know, like, what you contribute to the earth is what matters. Like, your looks fade, <laughs> you know, like, and I, and I realized this, but that really like her just saying something has to give I was like yeah just let it go yeah really good yeah. book. really good I book. love it yeah I'll have to check that out for sure 
You know, and I think it's important to recognize and, you know, as an, even an entrepreneur, it, we see a lot of times the end goal, right? The end sold a company for 1.4 billion, but what you haven't seen are the five, 10, 15, 20 years prior to that and the struggle and the hustle and the experience. And it's just a reminder that, uh, and I love this quote, everyone has a story that you know nothing about. So be kind. No matter what you think it looks like on the outside or, 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 or what they have going on or what they don't have, we're all struggling and suffering in, in some sense. And so, you know, for me to be able to share my story is also to open up space and platform for other people to be suffering, to have suffering, to have, you know, trauma that they're working with, to have, you know, disordered eating patterns and addictions and stuff. It's like, we're not seeing, you know, everybody's got this quiet internal voice, the struggle that we're working with. And the more that we can lead with kindness and compassion. And it first has to start with loving yourself, you know, before you can ever love another person and forgiving yourself and having compassion and grace for yourself and all of everything that you come with, like the crumbs at the bottom of the toaster part of you, right? Loving all of that. And then you're able to recognize that in other people, you know, it's not about who has or doesn't have, and that you realize that we're all having this human experience. Yes. And meeting people where you're at, where they're at, you know, accepting what you can accept. And if, if somebody's toxic for you, let them go. Yeah. But, you know, not being, I found myself being extremely overcritical of somebody on how they treated other people, although they've never really been like horrible to me. Like, and I'm like, hold on, wait a second. You have to love and accept people for who they are and where they're at on their own journey because we're all growing and changing. Yeah, it doesn't mean you have to subscribe, participate, mm-hmm. or invite them in, right? right? That's the also part of loving yourself enough to set appropriate boundaries. Mm-hmm. But we're not really in a place of judging, right? I mean, everybody's yeah. got their own experience. You know, we know how much the crazy mind, you know, is and and what we're suffering with. And so, you know, letting judgment go, but you got to start, stop judging yourself first, right? Or it's really easy to judge other people because you set yourself up for failure. Oh, definitely. And building up your self-worth is so important. And that's what I really see now with, um, I I was in Tampa and there were four sisters that were all, they all looked very, very, very plastic, extremely plastic. Mm-hmm. And um, I walk up and I was like, oh my God, y'all look so like similar. Like, are you know, are y'all sisters? And um, are, are like, are, are, like, are y'all related? They're like, yeah, we're sisters. And I was like, oh, okay. And then, I mean, I was with other women that were not, had not done all that work. And they, one was like, oh my God, they're so pretty. Like, I want to look like that. And I'm like, honey, you're gorgeous like love you yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you aren't going, you, you go and fix yourself. You're on the exterior and not work on the interior. You're going to still feel the same way. Yeah. Right. There's always going to be someone prettier, faster, smarter, and with more money than you. I mean, that's just the way the world works. I mean, so, you know, not to, you know, not achieve and not, you know, grow and, and do better, but there is a part of accepting you know, what you are working with, you know, some of the, as we age is like not meaning to don't go get facials or do whatever it is that you want to do. And I'm like for plastic surgery, I'm all for it, whatever it is, but you know, happiness isn't going to come from that. Happiness is an inside job. And so, you know, not 
keeping, you know, your happiness on this carrot that's dangling out. Uh, oh, if I, you know, get my face done, I'll, I'll be happy. Or if I get this job, I'll be happy. Or if I get this husband or this house or this car, or this whatever, you know, and that's just that, you know, hamster wheel that we get on and, and recognizing that happiness really is an inside job. Mm-hmm. You know, and none of those other things really define who you are because they can go away. I mean, looks fade, money comes and goes, cars break down, houses sell, you know, it's, uh, but it's not who you are. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, I just want to thank you so much for joining me today. Um, this was, I'm, I'm going to really enjoy listening back to this and editing it because it's just going to be, I, you touched on so many things and I really appreciate how authentic you were and just helpful you are. And guys, definitely check out her app in the show notes below because I'm definitely downloading the app. Like that's super cool that you made that as a free resource to so many people. Um, and definitely go check her out on Instagram as well at the underscore Zen underscore mommy. Awesome. Thank you so much, Olivia, for the opportunity. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Empowered Woman Badass and Unfiltered Podcast. If you found any value in this, please consider sharing and subscribing. Now go out and be a badass. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.